Hello, and welcome to Under the Dome, the News and Observer's political podcast. This is Will Doran, your host this week, uh, telling you what is going on in this week that we have here, first week of December. Um, And I have to tell you right up front that on uh, this week's episode, I am going to be doing one of the most dangerous things that anyone recording a podcast can do. And no, I am not uh, tightrope walking while I record this. I'm not uh, recording it from the countryside of Afghanistan. Uh, But what I am doing is talking about something that should be happening this week, but that might get delayed by a court hearing that is happening in between when I recorded this episode and when you are going to be listening to it. Uh, So could be a lot of uh, changes to what you hear, uh, but... Uh, What we are going to be talking about is candidate filing for the 2022 elections. Uh, It typically happens in December and would normally be opening up on Monday. Uh, Hopefully you are listening to this on Monday, so I will say today. Uh, But last week uh, (laughs) there was a court ruling uh, or court hearing, I should say, on uh, two different redistricting cases. Uh, that could end up delaying candidate filing if the judges are worried enough that the maps appear to be unconstitutional. So right now, if you're listening to this, uh, first thing you should probably do is head on over to www.newsobserver.com to see what has happened in those court cases. Uh, We will be covering them (laughs) when they happen, but unfortunately I am recording this episode in the past and uh, those have not happened yet. However, candidate filing is going to happen eventually. Whether or not it begins today or not is the question, but it will be happening eventually. So let's take a look at a few of the really interesting districts that we have here due to redistricting. Um, As it just so happens, actually, a lot of them are right around the Triangle. So any of you listeners living in the Triangle area, uh, this will be a good episode for y'all. We have several open seats, um, including, obviously, the Durham centric district uh, that includes Durham, Chapel Hill, Cary, that uh, is being vacated by Democratic Representative David Price. He's retiring after around 30 years in Congress, uh, which is just really an amazing stretch of time. Um, But that is leaving a really, really intriguing opportunity for Triangle Democrats. Um, I mean, that that is just a really solidly left-leaning seat. Um, and whoever wins the Democratic primary is essentially guaranteed to win the general election, too. And so a lot of people are saying, well, David Price is in that seat for 30 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, Maybe I can be in Congress for that long, or at least uh, as long as I want to be. Um, and so that is going to attract uh, just a, a flurry of candidates. Um, it, it will probably also attract some Republican candidates, although uh, they will have a very steep uphill battle uh, if they want to win that district. Uh, it's typically around a 60-40, 70-30, somewhere in that range split, uh, if you look at the different analyses. Um, So that one will be really interesting for Democrats. On the Republican side, uh, there are two uh, that I'm going to mention uh, real quick right here that are also going to be empty. Uh, No incumbent running for re-election either of these seats, um, which really just, you know, there's such a huge advantage that incumbents have when you have these empty seats. It really is kind of 
a crapshoot for who's going to win the primary. Um, and one of those is the 7th District, and that stretches basically from southwest Wake County, the uh, Fuquay Verena suburbs, uh, where I am sitting recording this podcast right now, um, all the way basically to uh, the outskirts of Greensboro. It doesn't actually pick up any of the city of Green- Greensboro itself, uh, just kind of the suburbs, and then uh, you know through Chatham County and some of those uh, areas sort of south of the Triad area. And that is going to be... Um, like the Durham seat is a really solidly Democratic seat, that is a really solidly Republican seat. Um, and so there have been lots of rumors swirling um, about who might jump into that one. Obviously, we should know more uh, Monday if candidate filing does indeed happen then. Um, of course, candidate filing is not just a one-day thing. It'll last for a few weeks. Um, so again, pending any delays, should probably go until mid to late December. Uh, but you will probably on the first day see really a, a big flurry of candidates uh, who who announce what races they're running for. And so that's going to be one uh, to watch on the Republican side because, again, whoever wins that GOP primary for that seat is almost certainly guaranteed to go to Congress. Further south of the triangle, really just right on the border, um, Johnson County, Fayetteville, that area um, is another seat that is slightly Republican leaning, but could be a toss up. Um, and so that'll be an interesting one to watch, uh, both parties primaries, uh, see who jumps into that race. Uh, there's, uh, been a lot of interest in that one, uh, would probably tend to lean Republican, especially in, you know, if 2022 is going to be a big Republican wave. Um, but if there are, you know, factors that, to help out Democrats in 2022 and uh, kind of buck the trend of the party out of the White House having a good year in the midterms, uh, then it could be a really competitive seat. And so there's certainly some Democrats who are looking at that and numerous Republicans uh, who have already announced that they are interested in it. We have some some state legislators, some local party leaders. Uh, that one's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, you also have the uh, second district, uh, which is really the the true competitive seat of the state. Um, we have 14 districts, uh, nearly all of them, whoever wins the primary is going to win the general election. Uh, that fourth district, the Johnson County Fayetteville one, that could be, like I said, competitive, especially uh, if Democrats have a, a bit of a boost, uh, that could make it even more competitive. Uh, but then the second district is just really, really neck and neck. Um, and so that is going to be what, you know, where a lot of the national money is going to be pouring into in North Carolina. Um, and that is where a lot of the focus is going to be. That seat is currently held by Democratic Representative G.K. Butterfield. Um, however, he is retiring. Uh, the new maps that lawmakers just passed uh, – turn that seat from a majority-minority district uh, to a majority-white district. Um, and Butterfield, the former head of the Congressional Black Caucus, is a black man, black Democrat. Uh, he's also in his 70s um, and, you know, has been in Congress for a very long time. I think probably, you know, a combination of, you know, just, you know, eventually... When you're in your 70s, maybe you just want to enjoy your retirement. Um, plus, having a much tougher district this time around uh, contributed to his retirement. Um, but on the Democratic side, jumping in to replace him, we've had uh, three 
Uh, black Democrats so far from the eastern part of the state all say that they're interested uh, and planning on running in that um, to replace him. And I think a big uh, issue in that primary is going to be abortion. Um, You have some of the people running are fairly moderate and pro-life. You have uh, another, uh, Erica Smith, actually, who had been in the Senate race, she's going to jump into that district instead. and she is obviously more progressive uh, on many issues, including abortion. And so I think that is going to really dominate that primary. And probably, actually, it's going to dominate a lot of the 2022 elections, uh, given that actually uh, last week the big Supreme Court case on abortion rights uh, was heard by the court. And most national observers seem to think that the court is heading towards at least... uh, partially overturning Roe v. Wade, if not fully overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, And so it looks, and they also say that they expect that decision to probably come in June or July of 2022. Um, So that's going to be, you know, in that summer, right before the election really kicks up into high gear. And I, you know, it just seems that abortion is going to be the big issue of the 2022 midterms. Um, Of course, we are nearly a year away from the midterms, so, you know, who knows? Uh, the, the issue could be, you know, the, the, a big asteroid headed towards the, the Earth that we need to fix Armageddon style. Uh, it's just, it, it's impossible to predict a, a full year out what is going to be the huge issue in an election. But for right now, a lot of people are saying abortion looks like it's going to be it. And so that, that uh, G.K. Butterfield district, that is going to be a really interesting Democratic primary to watch uh, since that is going to be one of the, the issues that really separates the candidates there in that primary. Um, on the Republican side, uh, you also have uh, two Sandys, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the mayor of Rocky Mount, and also uh, Sandy Smith, uh, who ran against Butterfield and lost in 2022, uh, have both said that they're interested, and we'll probably see some other people jump into that race as well, I would imagine, because like I said, I mean, that that seat could really go either way. It's a it's a true toss up. And so, uh, you know, I, I think both the the Democratic and the Republican primaries for that district are going to be really fascinating to watch, um, you know, and do people go more towards the base? Do they try to move towards the center? Uh, you know, if it is going to be kind of a, a 50-50 toss up sort of seat, uh, you know, which which strategy are voters going to reward in the primary? It'll be interesting to see. Um, so we've got all that. Of course, out further west in the state, uh, there's all of the drama with uh, Madison Cawthorn uh, switching seats to run for a seat closer to the Charlotte area. It includes a little bit of Mecklenburg County as well as some of the counties to the west. Um, he did that uh, basically to stop... House Speaker Tim Moore from running. Uh, I don't. I don't know that Cawthorn ever specifically mentioned Moore by name, uh, but he had uh, you know cutting remarks about establishment Republicans that he didn't want to see in Congress, and uh, you know there were rumors flying everywhere that Moore was going to run for that seat. Uh, although Moore has since said that he's not going to run for Congress, probably is probably just going to seek uh, re-election as Speaker of the House uh, in the state legislature. Uh, but, you know, does Madison Cawthorn get a more moderate Republican challenger in the primary? Uh, you know, that could be an interesting uh, race to watch as well. Uh, you know, moving more into the, the Charlotte suburbs where you might tend to see a little bit more moderate voters. 
does that, you know, does that attract any support? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, Cawthorn is hugely influential in the GOP. He's a massive fundraiser. He has a ton of support both in the state and nationally. So it'll be a, a tough, a tough challenge for any Republican to beat him in the primary. Uh, but uh, I'm sure there will be uh, our, our our partners at the Charlotte Observer will be writing about that race a lot. And then, of course, what that means, too, is that Cawthorn's district out in far western North Carolina now has no incumbent. Um, and so there's going to be a uh, just really a mad dash among Republicans to uh, to go ahead and jump into that race as well. Um, we've already seen State Senator Chuck Edwards, uh, who was kind of one of the, the point people on unemployment issues during the COVID pandemic and really kind of ran a lot of the state's uh, policy decisions on how to handle different, you know, questions about employment and how big benefits should be and things like that. He has said that he's going to jump into that race. We could see some other state lawmakers from that western part of the state jump in. We could see just other folks jump in. Uh, like I said, it'll it'll be a, a pretty crowded one. Uh, the Democratic side, too, there were obviously a, a ton of Democrats who had been gearing up campaigns, basically all premised around uh, the concept of, you know, vote for me because it's a vote against Madison Cawthorn. Um, and, you know, basically trying to appeal to both moderate Republicans and also Democrats and hoping that that would be the strategy. Now, with Cawthorn no longer in that district, it'll be a question of whether that strategy still works or not. Um, and that is a Republican-leaning district. Um, but, you know, anything could happen. <laughs> so... <laughs> Those are those are really the the districts we are uh, watching for now. Um, otherwise, most of the the incumbents who are currently in Congress are expected to probably win their primaries, uh, and then also they all have fairly safe seats. Uh, the one exception, of course, is Kathy Manning, who is out in the new maps. Um, the way that uh, Republicans uh, carved up the triad area. Uh, just left her with no Democratic-leaning seat in that area. Uh, she's from Greensboro, currently represents a seat that has both Greensboro and Winston-Salem uh, all together in one district, uh, and that's a pretty solidly left district right now. But the new maps split that area up between four different districts and basically combine different pieces of those urban areas with a bunch of just outlying rural counties, and that had the effect of creating uh, a bunch of just uh, Republican-leaning seats in that area. So Manning really doesn't have a, a, a safe seat to lean to, so she appears to uh, to probably not have a path to re-election. But, you know, again, the, the elections are a year away. Don't want to make too many predictions right now. Um, and, of course, who knows? You know, I mean, as I mentioned at the top of this podcast – this is all in court right now. Uh, there are multiple lawsuits challenging the maps. Uh, there's actually three total redistricting lawsuits that we're following at the News and Observer. Uh, there's one uh, that actually Republicans got a big win on last week uh, that challenges basically just the process, but not the maps themselves. Um, it was also seeking to delay this filing uh, and seeking to push back the primaries in order to force the maps to be redrawn. Uh, but since it didn't challenge the maps, it only challenged the process. The judge said, well, how am I going to, you know, do what you want me to do if, you know, there's nothing saying that the maps are unconstitutional. So he, he threw out that request, uh, and declined to, to postpone the primaries and candidate filing. But there are two other lawsuits, uh, that are challenging the maps themselves. 
And so we will, you know, be following that really closely. That's, uh, you know, I mean, regardless of what the judges ruled last week, uh, you know, the, those could still, you know, really continue to dominate uh, the news into 2022. Uh, since last week's things were really just pretrial hearings. Um, and, you know, we could potentially see, well, one, more lawsuits, new lawsuits in 2022, or two, more new developments in some of these. Um, so if either of those lawsuits or both are successful, then, you know, the maps could be redrawn. And this, you know, entire episode you've listened to could be completely moot, uh, because the reality on the ground is going to change for everybody. Districts are going to look different. Uh, there's going to be different partisan liens. Uh, you know, maybe people who, you know, were going to run in one place are now going to run in another. People who were going to retire aren't going to retire. Uh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, really, the takeaway is that it is all really fresh, uh, really up in the air pretty early. Um, and so we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. But uh, at the same time, uh, expect really just a flurry of news starting today, uh, but really continuing out throughout this week, probably, and throughout the rest of the month as uh, as candidates file for the elections, uh, as long as that's still happening. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so on that note, uh, this has been Will Dorn from the Raleigh News and Observer. Thank you for listening uh, and uh, stay tuned for more updates on our redistricting and congressional fun times that we have here in North Carolina. Thanks. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.